0: Hello and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Aidan Muir and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and this is episode 85 where we are going to be talking about intuitive eating, benefits of it, potential downsides of it, when it could be useful, when it might not be useful. Starting with a definition, intuitive eating is defined as eating based on trusting your body to make choices in relation to the foods you eat and also the amounts you eat. It also involves ignoring diet cultural rules and listening fully to your body.
1: So in terms of principles of intuitive eating, like this is not an official or like a specific list, um, but we would say like the basic principles of intuitive eating would be one to basically reject the diet mentality in general and diet culture. So it's like a complete rejection of that in total. Um, a big one is just honoring your hunger, so your hunger and satiety cues, making peace with food and giving yourself unconditional permission to eat without restriction. Um, focusing on the satisfaction of food is a big one. And uh, like I said, honoring your hunger, there's also the flip side of that in terms of honoring your fullness as well. So really listening to those internal signals that your body is giving you to eat and to stop eating and using those as like the driving force uh, in terms of how much and
0: what you eat. And you can even extend that thinking beyond just the here and now, because I remember hearing all of those things and being like, "Oh." What if I've got work for like, a, I don't know, seven hours of no break or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm not hungry before work, wouldn't it be silly if I didn't eat? And it's like, no, when you, look, when you looked at what intuitive eating is, it does still include that and being like, no, totally. you could eat, think about how you'll feel in the future, not just now.
1: Yeah. It's like knowing how you also like, I guess, react to certain situations and becoming very like intuitive with like what you will feel like.
0: Yeah. yeah. We will also talk about what intuitive eating is not. I'm going to keep this super brief, but it is, or the first thing I'll keep brief, it's, it's not a tool for weight loss. And that's something that I'll talk about more later. Mm -hmm. The one I'll talk about a little bit more now is that it's not just eating without tracking macros. Um, I don't know why I'm so passionate about it or care about semantics here. There's a lot of areas of fitness, nutrition that don't care about semantics. But in this case I do because intuitive eating is a thing. It is a thing that Mm -hmm. meets the definition we just defined above earlier. And it also, it has those principles we talked about. There's no clear set list of principles, but there's overlapping principles like the ones we talked about. But that's a completely separate thing to eating without tracking macros. And there's a lot of people in the fitness space who stop tracking macros and then start saying, I'm eating intuitively. Yes. And that's not what they're doing. All they're doing is eating without tracking your mac- calories and macros like they might be trying to apply the exact same concepts they were before just without actually putting it into my fitness pal or something
1: yeah they still may have like food rules or like certain restrictions around that which would make it not intuitive even though they're not tracking or following a plan
0: exactly so yeah. like you could argue that there's a different name for that but i'm just starting with that and being like we're talking about intuitive eating which is mm-hmm. a slightly separate concept now
1: So what are the benefits of intuitive eating? I think one of the the biggest things is definitely in regards to relationship with food. So in my experience, like people who I guess I work with in practice to intuitively eaten to be able to do that it definitely improves their relationship with food overall especially if they're coming from a place of disordered eating um it's an incredible tool for reconnecting with your hunger and fullness cues and like going back to diet culture and diet mentality like a lot of people men and women find themselves in a space where they've really lost like a connection with hunger and fullness cues. So like reconnecting with those can actually be a really beneficial thing for a lot of people. Um, Like I said, very useful for managing disordered eating um, and overall can just improve your quality of life, especially if dieting and diet culture has had a particularly negative impact on your life in the past. So I think like intuitive eating is such a it's such a powerful tool that can help a lot of people. Um, It's just, I think, yeah, like you said, those semantics kind of matter in this case because it's different to what some people think it would be.
0: Yeah, I think the improved quality of life is a huge one. I, not so much recently, but I used to spend some time just trying to broaden my horizons and reading on intuitive eating forums and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And that was the key thing I noticed. It was like almost everybody in that reported being happier than what they were doing. And yeah. I can see how that could happen too.
1: even just like anecdotally coming from a personal perspective, like, uh, like it, as a teenager, I had kind of some issues with disordered eating a little bit, like constantly tracking and like not having any idea of those hunger and fullness cues. Mm. And now I look at my relationship with food now where even as an athlete, I tend to do mostly intuitive eating or like what we'll talk about in terms of informed eating. Yeah. Um, and My relationship with food is awesome and I think that definitely impacts my quality of life in such a positive way having experienced the flip side.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. So on that kind of weight loss topic that we talked about and how it's not a tool for weight loss, the moment you try to use it for the purpose of weight loss, it no longer becomes intuitive eating. Because you have subtle cues and stuff like that that's like, what if you feel like you've eaten too many calories or something like that? If your goal is weight loss... You'll stop eating, but that's no longer listening to your body. If your body tells you you're still hungry, but you're like oh, but I want to lose weight or whatever, like you you can't be truly intuitive if you're also trying to guide your intuition in a certain yes. direction. Yeah, um, people might lose weight while intuitive eating. That is something that can happen. Um, examples of this often are related to things like binge eating and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like people who previously were binge eating move towards intuitive eating and that might address the binge eating or it might be a tool that's one of many things that helps address binge eating. And maybe that leads to weight loss. Maybe people don't binge eat, but they previously weren't listening to their fullness cues so much. And there's a bunch of places where it can happen, but it's not the goal. And if you go into intuitive eating with that being the goal, then it kind of falls apart. It's no longer fully intuitive eating. And from a different perspective, one reason why, although it might happen, it's also kind of unlikely to happen. It's unlikely for weight loss to occur with intuitive eating. And this is like, I know I just used the binge eating example, but there is, there is research on people who stop binge eating showing that on average, their weight remains unchanged. Yeah. Which is an interesting to think about because a lot of people would assume if I binge eat, I stop, my weight should drop. Um, one potential reason why that doesn't happen, amongst many other reasons, is that a calorie deficit makes us hungrier and increases desire to eat. If we did something with our intuition or intuitive eating, which then put us into a calorie deficit, theoretically, our hunger on average, usually, not for everybody, it's case by case, but on average, hunger will increase. And if then we continue listening to our intuition, we start eating more calories and it's kind of a bit of a cycle where it, like, our body pushes us back to eating the amount of calories required to maintain our weight in most cases. So like, it's just an interesting thing, but it's like intuitive eating isn't really a tool for weight loss. Um, It's a tool for many things and it can have a lot of benefits, but weight loss isn't something I would be using it for.
1: I think you're probably missing the point if you're expecting any kind of specific body composition outcome from it, even if it is weight maintenance like i just think you probably shouldn't have an expectation around body composition like i don't think that's why you go into intuitive eating like it's not for body composition changes whether whatever way yeah um another kind of complex one but an interesting one especially that comes up a lot in our practice would be is there a place for intuitive eating in sports um and i definitely have a lot of thoughts around this. Cause I do generally think intuitive eating or aspects of it is beneficial for most, if not everybody. Um, but then you have the challenge of potentially like looking at athletes with a really high training load. If they were to intuitively eat, they actually might miss the mark on calorie intake and they may unintentionally under fuel themselves. So there could be a mismatch between drive to eat and what their actual needs are, especially when we consider that a lot of athletes experience like a, a dulling of their appetite after exercise or due to exercise that may lead to like, if they were to intuitive eat, just not fueling sessions correctly or like refueling. Um, maybe there is also very little time in an athlete's day to check in with hunger cues so like i work with some athletes who train two three times a day and like they're professional athletes and that's what they do with most of their day so they're running between session to session like do they really have the time to be very in tune with those hunger cues like maybe not some athletes like really on the go um and then there's also the aspect of you may benefit from timing nutrition in a specific way out of logistics and performance goals that may not always line up with hunger and fullness skews. So in that way, you're probably not being quote unquote intuitive. And it really is thinking about what is going to be best for performance and recovery, regardless of how you're feeling. Um, And then actually another one would be if you're trying to gain weight as an athlete. So kind of going back to those body composition outcomes, like we can't really, Predict like what intuitive eating for an individual is going like what outcome that's going to have from a body composition perspective. So if we're wanting to gain weight or even like go through a fat loss phase, then intuitive eating is probably not what we're going to use for that.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. There is arguably still places for in sport. Like I, it's not really the route I would go down with many, but I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen arguments made from other professionals. One one case study that was used in a course that I was at. They talked about an Islander rugby player who they would measure his skin folds throughout the season and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And every time he was in Australia, he'd get a little bit leaner week on week on week on week. And then he'd go back to the Island he was from and he would gain like 10 kilos in like a very short space. Of time. Right. And that was obviously – Something that he was a professional athlete, so it was something that's pretty tough on his career and everything like that. It's also kind of stressful for him because it's like every time I go home, like it takes <laughs> me away from what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, and they talked about with him how they just used intuitive eating for when he was at home. And from the perspective of being like, well, nothing rigid is going to work anyway because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the luxury of being able to do that anyway. But maybe it also means maybe he stops when he gets full rather than just rushing the meal, etc. Sure. eating as much as he can. He enjoyed his mum's cooking was the story. Um, And it's hard to say because this is a one-off example, but they talked about after going through that experiment with him, he maintained his weight every time he went home going forward. And, like, I think that's a pretty extreme case of it working quite well and everything like that, and I wouldn't read too much into it. But you could also see a space for it too.
1: Yeah. And I like talking about kind of another, I guess, personal case study of a a client of mine who I work with, who is a boxer who sits just above their weight class, typically like we're usually using a very planned approach, but we usually have to cut her down quite significantly for fights. And that definitely takes a toll on her relationship with food because Choosing to be in a class, like a weight class that maybe is a little bit lighter than where she, would, she should sit. Um, but we use like periods of time where we do use intuitive eating to just maintain a good relationship with food. So I think for some athletes, having periods of time where intuitive eating is the goal, regardless yeah. of body composition outcomes, is super important.
0: Yeah, I can say that as well. So if eating without tracking macros, just as general, isn't, isn't intuitive eating... What is it? Um, There's no really good name. The name that I use for it is informed eating as a bit of a separate topic. Um, I'm stealing that name from, I think it was Shannon Beer who I first saw use that name. And I I wish there was a better name, but informed eating is the one that I I go with. Yeah. Um, And regardless of the name, I think the concept is important. It's basically a combination of knowledge accrued through learning about nutrition and listening to hunger cues. Mm -hmm. It's both of those things. Because it's like if intuitive eating is truly listening to our body and to a certain degree rejecting diet culture and everything like that means we also need to reject a few of the things that we have learned about nutrition to a certain degree. Um, And that can be really helpful for a lot of people as well. But from another perspective, there could also be benefits to a lot of things that we have learned about nutrition and stuff like that too. And a way that this could be put into practice is still having certain guidelines, um, not necessarily rules, but things that you do on a consistent basis. And this is also personally how I live my life as well, where some of these guidelines could be things like making sure each meal has a decent amount of protein. Potentially, the protein is usually coming from lean protein sources or something like that. Um, They might have a certain amount of vegetables or maybe it's just lunches and dinners have to contain vegetables. It's not a rule, but something that you do 90 something percent of the time. Um, Maybe you aim for fiber rich foods. Maybe you aim for certain size meals. Like you're not necessarily weighing stuff out, but you have a rough portion size and stuff like that. Um, And you could argue that these things come from knowledge that you've learned through other approaches, whether that's tracking calories and macros or anything like that. But the other thing is you can also adjust it over time. This is where I think it gets even more interesting because it's kind of like, say you either wanted a calorie surplus or deficit. I'm going to use the calorie surplus example. If you had been maintaining your body weight doing a certain approach, like you have I know three meals per day, three snacks, the meals are roughly a certain size and structure, same thing with the snacks, a bit of consistency, and you're maintaining your weight. You could then shift it and add some more carbs to your meals or add an extra snack or something like that to create a calorie surplus. But if you fully listen to your hunger, maybe you might be in a position where you don't eat enough calories because even though you might make these changes, but if you stop when you're feeling a little bit full or whatever, you might not eat enough calories. You could just push it a bit further and be like, okay, instead of eating to a 7 out of 10 level of fullness, maybe I eat to an 8 out of 10 until I get the desired result. And then the same thing, vice versa for a calorie deficit. You might take away a few things here and there if you're trying to create a deficit. And the same thing with hunger, maybe instead of eating to a 7 or 8 out of fullness, maybe it's a 6 or 7 out of fullness or a 5 or 6, probably not 5 or 6, but like yeah. a 6 or 7 yeah, out of 10. Yeah. Like, you just scale it back a little bit based yeah. on what you want to do and based on what is happening over time. Yeah.
1: I love the idea of informed eating. Um, I think it takes the principles of intuitive eating and combines it with, you know, those nutrition principles that we know are very helpful for, you know, certain goals.
0: Yeah. I think long-term it's an approach that makes sense for most people long-term
1: agreed um so when would we encourage intuitive eating versus informed eating versus a more rigid approach so i think that's a really interesting question i guess my personal take on it is like intuitive eating is great when you simply want a very like stress-free healthy relationship with food um which i mean which everybody should want but if you're coming from a place where you don't have that relationship relationship with food just focusing on intuitive eating itself can be so beneficial so like i use it a lot with anyone who kind of has red flags for disordered eating if not an eating disorder for sure um the complexity comes in when there are other goals involved so whether that's body composition changes like whether it's gaining muscle losing fat etc uh when there's performance or goals or something like that or anything that requires a more rigid or informed dietary approach other than just eat you know when you're hungry stop when you're full eat what you desire like there are times where it's going to make sense to have a more rigid approach um and I think like a really good example that you've listed would be like acute weight cuts. Yeah. Super, super rigid, right? So that's when you would have a very rigid approach to drop, you know, a certain amount of weight within the week leading into a weigh-in. Um, and it makes sense to not intuitively eat for that.
0: <laughs> you yeah, would, at some stage you kind of have to ignore it. Like, you
1: have to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah To And like another example as well as like carb loading before a marathon. Sure. Like as much as everyone's like, oh, I'd love to eat all these carbs and stuff like that, like most people do it. It's not like the most pleasant experience when it's like dash much that they've yeah. I find
1: when I'm running people through a carb load plan, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm so excited for this," and then they like do it and they're like, "That was a bit much."
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm
1: like, yeah, it's not exactly eating uh, intuitively. You're usually going to eat a little bit more than what is comfortable, but it's for a very specific purpose. Yeah,
0: and like even using like research on that as an example, when people carb load without a plan, on average mm. they have five to six grams of carbs per kilogram. Whereas research shows that like 10 to 12 is the optimal amount. Yeah. And it's like, if people are eating intuitively, they won't get to the 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's, there's cases where a rigid approach would just lead to better outcomes. Um, I think there's a place for both. Like I, I see the rigid approach for certain stuff like that. I see an intuitive approach for other situations. And I see an informed approach as like a, a bit of a middle ground, which as I said, long-term makes sense for a lot of people.
1: As always context dependent.
0: For sure. This has been episode 85 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. As always, if you could please leave a rating and review if you have not already, that would be greatly appreciated.